0: Thank you for that great song. Covers me there with his hand. Praise the Lord for that. Take the young people who can go to a primary junior church now. The rest of us will take our Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 46 this morning. Genesis chapter 46. Genesis chapter number 46. Let's all stand as we read God's word this morning. Genesis 46, beginning with verse number 1. And Israel took his journey with all that he had. And he came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father Isaac. And God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. And I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again, and Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. And Jacob rose up from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried Jacob their father, and their little ones, and their wives, in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. And they took their cattle and their goods which they had gotten in the land of Canaan. And they came into Egypt, Jacob and all his seed with him, his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his seed brought he with him into Egypt. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your almighty hand that protects us and watches over us and cares for us. Father, we thank you that you are such a a wonderful and awesome God. Lord, we come before you this day, and Lord, we need a fresh uh, word from you, from your word. And Father, I pray today that as we listen to the word of God, that Lord, you would speak, and that we would say like, like Israel did, like Jacob did, here am I. Lord, whatever you say, may we, be have, may we have a willing heart to do, and Lord, to comply with your wishes and your desires today. Lord, we thank you. We praise you now in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. One of the challenging aspects of the Christian life is to be in the world, but not of the world. Our uh, are to demonstrate the holiness of our Lord in the midst of, uh, in and through our lives in the world, while all the all the while, while the world is trying to conform us to its mold. We are like a fish that's trying to swim upstream against a strong stream going the opposite direction. If we were to attempt it and try to to live the Christian life in our own strength, we would fail. Jesus said in John 15, 5, Without me ye can do nothing. And there are many Christians that try to live the Christian life and try to do what God's Word says in their own power and their own strength, and they, they fail along the ways. But may I share with you that God has promised that that the Spirit of God that came to live inside us will give us the power to do what we could not do in our flesh. God will enable us. He will accomplish His will as we uh, yield to Him. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 3.20 that He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. It's God who works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident in this very thing that He, which hath begun a good work in you, will uh, will continue, will provide it until the day of Jesus Christ. And may I share with you today that when you got saved, God began a good work in you to make you like the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, if we had a, if you kind of put it in this mindset, you have a, a boat on a on, on a uh, with a motor can go against the stream. Uh, it's when you know we have the Lord Jesus Christ who lives inside us, who gives us the power that we don't have in our own self. We don't have to, to go the way of the world. I hope that you understand that as a Christian. You don't have to go the way of the world. It is only when we start coasting along in our Christian life that our boat begins to start drifting the way of the world. Or we decide, like Demas did, he forsook the Lord. Having loved the present world, that his boat turned and went that way. Folks, we don't have to do that. We can go the right way. Israel, or Jacob, as he is called, is preparing to go down to Egypt where his son Joseph had been elevated to a place of authority by the Lord. You know, we can see that God can and does elevate people, his people, into prominent places of authority to accomplish his will. We think of Joseph. We think of Esther, we think of Daniel, we think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God has the power to raise people up and to place them in positions of leadership. Just because a person is in politics doesn't mean that that person is necessarily bad. And I know that that sounds hard to believe, because there's so many of them out there, but I'm here today to tell you, we need godly individuals in those positions of leadership that are willing to take a stand for what is right, and what is true. It's not always popular to, to stand against the flow, but it is always right. The world uh, will do all that it can to try to, to uh, get these people in positions of, of leadership to compromise their stand for the Lord. That's why we need to pray for our president and pray for those in uh, in authority. You say, well, pastor, if he just do what I say he should do, then it, then it would be okay, I'd pray for him. No, that's why you need to pray for him. Our president and his family needs people to pray for him. He's going in a wrong direction. It's because you can't expect anything less than a sinner to act like a sinner. Folks, are not going to have Christian values. They're not going to have the mindset because the Bible says the natural man, the unsaved man, uh, the natural man, the unsaved man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him. Standing upon the principles of the sanctity of marriage, May I share it with you? As I was sharing with somebody the other day, we were talking. uh, I was talking with uh, an individual, and they were they were sharing what they they were listening on the on uh, some CDs about uh, the in Genesis, and uh, we were talking about the fact that you know God says, "For this cause, God uh, man shall leave his father and mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they two shall be one flesh." God is the one that instituted marriage, not man. God brought Eve to Adam. God established marriage. We have this idea today, well, we're going to establish what marriage is. No, God did. And God's word has been forever settled. God made a male and female, not an in-between. Male and female. Uh, God established those principles. And we need to get back to the word of God. How we need to pray for individuals to be saved. We need to pray for those in the leadership that they would come to the knowledge of the truth that they would look at God's word and accept what God's word has to say. Egypt was a type of the world in scriptures. How could Jacob go down to Egypt to be in the world but not become of the world? Folks, it's so easy for us to be in the world and become like the world. But God calls us to be different from the world. In our text this morning, we find three important principles for being in the world but not being of the world notice if you would as we look at this portion of scripture how can we be in the world but not of it don't leave god out of the picture of your life look at verse number one of this portion of scripture in genesis chapter 46 verse 1 and israel took his journey with all that uh, all that he had and he came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices under the God of his father Isaac. Israel was going down to see Joseph. On his way, uh, one of his stops was at Beersheba, and it was there at Beersheba that he worshipped the Lord. Jacob was not going to leave the Lord out of his life just because he was going down to Egypt. Some would say, well, you know, when, when in Egypt, do as the Egyptians do. Uh, in other words, just conform to the, the surroundings that are around you. Do what everybody else does. You know, those that were living in Egypt, they worshipped and served the, the creatures, the things that came out of the Nile, and, and the, the different, uh, uh, the, they had all sorts of different idols. But Jacob was not going to leave God out of the picture of his life. It's amazing that when we are in the world, that we try to fit into the thinking of this world. The world laughs at the off-colored jokes, and we think that to fit in that we need to think that their jokes are funny. Folks, can I tell you something? We ought not to laugh at that innuendos that, throw, uh, that, that uh, mock sin. A lot of Christians, oh, well, you know what, people are going to think I'm kind of strange if I don't laugh at, that, at that, uh, uh, what those people are saying. Can I tell you something? We ought to be lights in the midst of a crooked and, and perverse generation. The world feels it's foolish to go to church and to read the Bible, so we feel that in order uh, not to create waves, we'll just kind of go along with the flow and we'll bend with the flow. Some, when they go on vacation in the world, they take a vacation from their God. Well, Pastor, you know I'm on vacation. (laughs) Really? Great. How many like vacations? I think we all need vacations. Don't take a vacation from God. Find a church that preaches the Word of God. Now I know sometimes that's kind of challenging, especially in the days in which we live. So I'm going to go to a a good uh, a good church. And so you look in the and look in the uh, the the phone book or we don't do we even use phone books anymore? I mean we Google it, right? You say, Pastor, you're dating yourself. We used to have those phone book things. Most people don't even look at those. They they go on Google and they find a a, a church that's a a Baptist church. Folks, can I tell you something? Look for an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist church that follows the King James Version. You say, Pastor, that's a whole lot of stuff I've got to look at. You can type it into into your phone. It'll look for you. But I'm here today to tell you, folks, there's a lot of churches today that say that they're Baptists that are not Baptists. They've given up on the old book with the old ways that preach the truth. And they've adopted a progressive type of Christianity away from the things and separation of the world and sin. Folks, we need the old preaching. It wherein is the good way. The Lord says, and you will find rest for your soul. Folks, I pray that you would find rest and peace that comes from walking with God. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Let me ask you a question. If I came to you today and said something like this, Fred, I just want you to stop breathing for an hour or two. It's not a big deal. Just stop breathing. Fred looks at me like, Pastor, you've lost it. Don't you understand that I have to breathe You know, I've got to take air in and expel air out in order to keep life going. We need to be able to function correctly. We need air so that everything will work. I submit to you that just as air is needful for the physical body to function, we need the Lord in order for our spiritual body to function correctly. Colossians 3, 4, Paul said this, when Christ who is our life, shall appear. Then shall we also appear with Him in glory. The very life of the believer is Christ. The very life of the believer is Christ. Paul realized this in his own life when he said in Philippians 1.20, For to me to live, Christ. And to die is gain. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. If we looked at our life with Christ as Christ, not just being an add-on, but rather our very existence, it would change how we would allow this world to influence us suppose you had one of those oxygen breathing tanks and you needed that without that you might survive you might work but you'd be very very weak you say well pastor if I have that I can if I have that oxygen tank and praise the Lord we've got these these opportunities to have those and uh, Inogen and some of those different ones to be able to to take with us and help us to get around and things. But when we don't have that, our oxygen level goes down. Oh, we're we're working, we're 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 moving, but it's a, a laborious type of moving. May I share with you today? Without Jesus Christ, you will not grow. Without Him, you will not have an ability to stand. You'll become feeble and weak. And yet I feel that there are many today that feel they can just do fine without the Lord. They don't need the Lord. They they got Him for salvation. They asked Him to be their Savior. We just don't need the Lord very much. You know, if we're going to be strong spiritually, we must be strong in the Lord. Look with me to Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 10. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10. If we're going to be in the world but not of the world, we've got to have the power of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10, look what it says. Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Folks, we're to be strong in the Lord. We're to depend upon the Lord and His might, His power, His strength, His ability working in us. The way that we become strong in the Lord is to feast upon the Lord. Take His Word as the very bread of life. In the Scriptures, we hear referring to the breaking of bread in Acts 2.42. And some Bible scholars say that this is reference to partaking of the Scriptures. They met together and they would break bread. Yes, they would have food, but that's not the only thing. They, They took time in the Word of God. That's why it's so important that we spend time in the Word of God, that God can feed us. We must have Jesus. We cannot do the Christian life without Him. I like the song, Without Him, I would be nothing. Without Him, I surely fail. Without Him, life would be drifting like a ship without a sail. Folks, today, you need Jesus. I need Jesus to be in my life. More and more. The older I get, it's not, well, I used to need Jesus more when I was growing up. Folks, we need Jesus more the older we get. We need him more. Jacob stopped, and he worshiped the Lord. He was vital to him. He Is, vi- is he vital to you today? Do you read your Bible each day? Do you pray? I'm not saying when you're just in trouble. Some people, the only time they pray to God is when things are really bad. Are you an anemic Christian, like a person who's without their oxygen, barely able to get around, or do you have the power of God in your life? I want you to see, as we look at the second principle, if you're going to live in the world, but not be of the world, we ought, uh, don't forget to set aside time for the Lord to speak to you. Look back at this portion of Scripture, verse number 2 of Genesis chapter 46. And God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. Jacob had worshipped the Lord in verse number 1. And the Bible says that in the night when it was quiet, the Lord spoke to him in the visions of the night. Before the prophecy of God was completed, God spake to men in various different ways. For example, uh, he spoke through an angel when he spoke to Samson's mom and dad and told them that, that they were going to have a son in, Je- in uh, judges chapter 13 god spoke directly to people out of the fiery uh, out, out of the uh, the burning bush with moses in exodus chapter 3 god also spoke through dreams and visions and, uh, to pharaoh remember in genesis 41 when god gave him uh, the the idea of five, uh, of seven um, strong uh, kine and, and uh, cows and, and seven lean. And he was talking about and giving them an idea there's going to be seven years of, of uh, feast and then there's going to be seven years of famine. God would speak that way. God used uh, not only that, God used his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in the times past unto our fathers by the prophets, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, Jesus Christ, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. But when that which was perfect, which is the Bible, is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. The Bible says we're not to add to nor subtract from this book. We don't have new revelations today. But at this time that we're looking at in Genesis chapter 46, the, rev- the Revelation of God, the truth of God had not been revealed, and so God here speaks to this man. We've seen uh, Christians that are seem to be so busy. There's always something to do, which demands our time and attention. Is there not? Uh, you know, you, as you're living, you you run sometimes, run from one thing to another. We're on the telephone, we're on our cell phones, we're listening to the radio and the TV at the workplace. Our our music is blaring. Children are demanding our attention, or our animals, sometimes like our dog. I mean, he demands our attention. He sits there and he talks to us. You say, Pastor, oh no, your dog's talking to you? I didn't say it was Mr. Ed talking to me. But you know, uh, Kathy used to say of her dogs, you know, they, they talk to you. I understand. And they look at you like, why don't you understand? I'm sure Scout talks to you, Brother Jim, doesn't he? He probably gets more attention out of Kathy and she reads him probably better than you do. Yeah. But uh, the reality is we're just so busy. Our life is filled with noise and business. How important to us is it that we listen to hear the voice of the Lord? How important is it to us that quiet place where God can speak to us? Turn with me to Matthew Chapter 14 for a second. Matthew chapter 14. New Testament, Matthew. First book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Matthew 14 and verse number 22. Jesus had a very busy time. He was always going about doing good. He was healing people. In verse 22 of Matthew 14 it says, "And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side and while he sent the multitudes, excuse me, sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when evening was come, he was there alone. He was there alone with his heavenly Father. Jesus, Set aside the time to pray, to get alone. In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus had the disciples, and he came with them. And as you remember, Jesus had the disciples with him. And some of them, he said, now, you stay here. And he went a little bit further, and he took Peter, James, and John. He said, now, I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray alone, and you pray with me. And remember, when Jesus went, and he sweat, as it were, drops of blood, and he comes back, and Peter, James, and John, they fell asleep. They had a busy day. A lot of things were going on. It was an emotional time. Jesus said, hey, couldn't you pray and watch for, a, for a, just a short time? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Folks, we've got we to get control of this flesh. The flesh wants to go in the opposite direction from the direction that the Lord wants us to go. God has given us his spirit to help us. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and His Spirit helps us to do what's right, but our flesh wants to go in the opposite direction. And folks, I submit to you today that when we think about Jesus, He knew the importance of spending time with His Heavenly Father. How about you? So that God can speak to you. I think of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 12 and 13. Remember, Elijah had gone through a... a, great trial and God had worked in a a mighty way beforehand and a great blessing was there and they slayed the 450 prophets of Baal and the fire came down and consumed the sacrifices and rain started after three and a half years of no rain and he outran the chariot. Boy, I tell you what, God gave him great power in those times, but right on the heels of the great working of God came the great attack of the evil one. And Jezebel said, you know what? Tomorrow you're going to be a dead man, just like those 450 prophets that you killed of Baal. And so he goes on the run. And he goes and he leaves his servants. You know, it's interesting. When you and I, when, we, when we're going through difficult times, uh, the devil wants to isolate us. Keep us away from others who can encourage us. I think that I'm telling you, this past couple of years, it's exactly what the devil has been using as a tool to destroy the people of God. But you know what? It's Christians who have chosen to allow that to be the tool from them drawing close to God and to be in the place of encouragement. I think, we, I think it was a test, and many have failed. It's time for us to stop. It's time for us to get back on track and to realize where these battles are coming from. We need the Lord. We need Christian fellowship to encourage, to uphold, and to help one another. Elijah, he left his servant, and he went on. And the Lord asked the question. He says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And he asked that same question again. But it's that still small voice. I think of Daniel in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. And when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, remember they had said, Hey, Daniel, you can no longer pray to God. (laughs) Can't pray. You've got to go. If you want something done, you need to go to the king. and, And the king will answer your prayer. You can't pray to God. And in this verse it says, And when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, If you went to anybody else other than the king, you'd be put to death in the lion's den. He knew it was signed. He went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed, gave thanks before his God, as he did aforetime. You know what? The world couldn't stop Daniel from spending time with his God. He needed to hear from God. He needed to pray to his God. I think of Samuel in 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 through 14, when Samuel was just a boy. He said, well, pastor, you know, that's good for those old people. But what about those young people? Tell you what, God used a lot of young people to shake the nation of Israel for Christ. Folks, I submit to you today, Samuel was one of those. He was raised in a bad environment with Eli's sons. That was a bad environment. But can I tell you something? Don't blame the environment. You need to to take personal responsibility and walk with God. Good things can come out of difficult situations, and Samuel was one of these. When God called Samuel, Samuel said, Hey, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. God commanded for us to be still and know that He is God. Psalms 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. If we're going to be in the world and not of the world, we must get alone with our God and allow Him to speak to us. You say, Pastor, what will He speak to us about? Well, God will speak to you about sin in your life. He'll, he'll point out things in your life that needs to be changed. He'll talk about those harsh words that you've spoken to others. that Maybe you need to go and get it right. He'll, spoke, he'll speak to you about His outlook. About what's going on in your life. You know, His ways are not your ways. Neither is His thoughts your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are His thoughts higher than your thoughts. Well, I think. Well, that's the problem. We all think. We think our thoughts instead of his thoughts. May I share with you when you think his thoughts, you'll have peace. You'll have wisdom beyond your years. But it's it's getting alone with God and letting him speak to you. He'll tell you about the things the way he wants for you to do when you get along with him. You say, well, Pastor, how can I live in this world but not be like the world? Don't take God out of the picture of your life. Let God speak to you in those quiet moments, in those quiet hours. Folks, you say, Pastor, but my schedule is so busy. If you're too busy to spend time with God, you're too busy. You need to make some time. God wants to speak to you. God wants to instruct you. God wants to help you. But you have to make the time. The third thing is this. We need to remember that the Lord is always with us while we're walking in this world. The Lord is always with us. Go back to this portion of Scripture back in Genesis 46, and look what he said. Verse number 3, he says, And he said, God speaking, I am God, the God of thy Father, Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation, and I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. You know, this portion of Scripture, we find four promises given by God to reassure Jacob about going down to Egypt. First of all, we notice that God would make of him a great nation in verse number 3. He said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. I will make of thee a great nation. You know, when we think of Jacob going down to Egypt, he went down with 70 people. 400 years later, we have a million and a half to three million Jews that come out of Egypt when Moses leads them out. He said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. You know, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. I want you to see the second promise that God would go down with him to Egypt. He says in verse number four, he says, I will go down with thee into Egypt. I will go down with thee into Egypt. God was not going to abandon Jacob when he went down to Egypt. He would be right there with him every step of the way. Even though the way was not always easy, God was going to be with him. You know what? When we're in the world, we need to constantly remind ourselves that we're not alone. The Lord is with us. Hebrews 13, 5, Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Or some of the situations as you're in the world and you're in the workplace and in school and amongst your friends and, and even in your home, whether you have unsafe family members, you say, well, man, I, I just this is just difficult. This is hard. Can I tell you something? Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Isaiah chapter 41. Go over there. Isaiah 41 and verse number 10. Isaiah 41 and verse number 10. God is trying to reinsure and encourage the children of Israel, those who are walking with Him. He says this, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Dear friend, as you live for Jesus Christ in the midst of a difficult time, a difficult circumstance, may I share with you that your God is there with you. He will not abandon you. I, sure, I wish I knew. I wish he were just here. Hold me by the hand. and t- He says, I'm telling you, I'm closer than holding you with a hand. He's inside your heart. How wonderful that is. What an assurance. When you feel like you're standing all alone, remember that God's with you. You and God make a majority. Notice the third promise, that God would bring Jacob up again one day. Verse number four. It says, and I will will also surely bring thee up again. So what are you talking about here? Well, Canaan land was the promised land. Egypt was the world. Canaan land was the promised land. You say, Israel uh, would not stay in Egypt forever. They They would come back to that promised land. You say, Pastor, what what can we see in this portion of Scripture? Well, sometimes we think that this life will never end. That the struggles that you're going through are going to go on forever. This is not true. Folks, we're just strangers and pilgrims in this world. We're just passing through. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid out somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. First Peter 2.11 says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. That word stranger means a foreigner. Hey, we're a foreigner in here. I'm only a foreigner. You know, you can tell some of those foreigners they talk different. Don't they? They talk You know some of those from Alabama, Brother Bobby, if you're watching, you understand. They just kind of talk different. You guys, what did you say? They just talk with a different talk. They they, they have a different walk, some of them. We're pilgrims. One who comes from a foreign country into a city or a land, to reside there by the side of natives. That's what you are. Folks, when we got saved, we became adopted into God's family. We're to to have a different speech. We're to have a different life. We're to have a different walk. This world is not my home. We try to fit into this world. It, it, it just doesn't work that way. Why? Because we're preparing for our home up there. And God has given us His, His Word to help us to learn how to walk as we ought to walk, which would glorify our Father, which is in heaven. Let our light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. One day I'm going home. How about you? Oh, Pastor, you know what? I just I feel so comfortable down here. If you feel comfortable down here. Maybe it's because you don't have a home up there. Tell you what, the more that you draw close to God, the more uncomfortable you'll be living in the world. Amen. I'm looking forward to being with the Lord. The, the, the hope, called the blessed hope, it's the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Say, when, when is that going to be? The rapture. Amen. I'm looking forward to that. I remember when I was a youth pastor, one of the young ladies that was in our youth group. We were going to camp, and she said, you know, pastor, we were just talking about you know, living for God and yielding our life to God and, and looking forward to what the Lord has for us. And I said, man, I'm ready to go home. She said, well, I'm not ready. I said, well, why? What are you, what are you holding on to? She said, well, I want to get married. And I want to have kids. And I want to do this, and I want to do that. And I'm thinking, that fails in comparison to people that are only living for this down here. But for those who know Christ as their Savior, this fails in comparison to what God has for us. Where are you living today, folks? Where are you living? God was promising, he says, you know, if you go down to Egypt, you're going to go back be back home. I'm looking forward to going home. Going home. I'm going home. Uh, as the song says, there's nothing to hold me here for I've got a glimpse of that heavenly land. I'm going home. Why do we get so entangled with the affairs of this life when heaven's our home? boy, we've got to live to get this and to do that and to do this. Hey, Why not just live for Jesus? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things, the things you need in this life shall be added unto you. I want you to see the fourth promise and that's this as we look back at Genesis 46 in verse 4. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. You have to understand this story. Joseph has been away from his father for a long time. Joseph's brothers were jealous of Joseph. God had revealed to Joseph some things of the future that were going to happen, that he was going to be put in a position of authority, and his brothers were going to bow down and worship him, and they hated him. So they decided one day to, they were going to kill him. And Reuben, the oldest brother, said, well, you know what? Let's not kill him. Let's just sell him. Let's put him in a pit. That's what they said, first of all. And so they put him in a pit in the desert with no water, no, no food. Now they go up and they have lunch. How cruel and heartless are people. And they heard him cry. You read the scriptures and it talks about that in the Psalms that, David, or excuse me, that Joseph cried out. And they came up with the idea, well, you know what? We're not making anything off this deal. We'll just sell him to the Ishmaelites and and let them take care of him. And we'll go and we'll take his coat of many colors, which his dad had given to him, and uh, we'll take that coat and we'll dip it in blood and we'll say, hey, dad, look what we found. You say, well, they didn't say that he was killed. No, they just led him to believe that he was killed. So he goes down and he becomes a slave. A servant in the house. There he does his very best. Still loves God. God blesses him. In the midst of difficult circumstances, he still follows the Lord. And Potiphar's wife lies about him. When she can't have her way with him, then she goes and, and lies about him. And he now he's put in jail. You say, boy, life is just going down the pits. He should be in a, in a mansion someplace because he's living for God. Well, God was preparing his servant for what was going to lie ahead. And he knew that in the furnace of affliction, he was going to learn things that he would never learn unless he went through the furnace of affliction. Some of us, we go through the furnace of affliction, we say, well, why is God allowing this? I'm trying to do what's right. Can I tell you something? God is preparing you for something greater down the road. He's preparing you to have a heart, his heart, in the midst, of that new trial that's going to come down the road. And if you don't learn in this one, he'll take you through that furnace again if he has to. It'd be easier to learn it the first time than to learn it a second and a third time. He went there from that pit, from the jail to the palace. You say, wow. Amazing how God could take it from here to here. And it happened. I was reading this morning when the Lord does something, it is timing, he does it swiftly. I mean, he was in jail one day. Next, guess what happens? <laughs> He's now second in command under Pharaoh. So how can that happen? I don't know, but just God does some that does that sometimes. But I want you to consider that God was promising to Jacob to see again his son whom he thought was dead. Joseph was going to be able to, he was going to put his hands, as he says here, and Joseph shall put his hands upon thine eyes. You'll see him again. What a joy it would have been for Jacob to see the one that he thought was dead to see him again. The hope for Christians is that those that we know whom have gone on before us to heaven, we're going to see them again one day. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13. The Apostle Paul, turn over there with me. For the Apostle Paul speaks of this special time. And may I share with you that he's speaking here to Christians. He's not speaking to unsaved people. Unsaved people do not have a hope of seeing their loved ones in heaven. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. If a person is not saved, they're lost. They're headed for a Christless eternity in a, in a place called hell. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. How shall, we neglect if we, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? God has provided a great salvation for everyone. To believe and to receive. But it's only good for those who will accept it. You can hear all about it. You can say, man, I've been taught it all my life. It doesn't mean that you've received it. When you receive it, you have to humble yourself and say, you know what? I am a sinner. And I deserve to go to hell. And I believe God sent his son, Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, to come and die for my sins. He died on a cruel cross. He was buried and rose again. And I believe that He did that all for me. I want to turn from my sin. I want to turn to Him as my Savior. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. First Thessalonians, chapter four, verse thirteen. Look what it says. First Thessalonians chapter four and verse thirteen. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which were asleep, or those who have died. That's that idea of asleep there. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope, for if we believe that Jesus died for died and rose again, even so them also which sleep, or those who have died in Jesus, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or hinder them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise er, rise first. Their bodies will rise. You say, well, wait a minute. The Lord says he's going to bring with him those that have already died. Their soul and spirit is in heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that soul and spirit is going to be reunited with that body which is decayed. It's going to be raised up to a glorious body. And those two are going to be put together. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. We will see the loved ones again. No more sickness, no more pain. <laughs> no more. Hey, isn't that going to be a time of rejoicing? You know, some, some of us, the only things that we have to say is about all our, our, our troubles and problems, our sicknesses and woes. So, Pastor, what are we going to talk about there then? Well, I guess we're going to have to have something else to talk about. Why don't we practice about it down here? You know, you come to some people and you say, well, how are you doing? Well, let me tell you, I've got bunions down there. And I, well, as I work up, I, my knees are not working like they should be. And, you know, my back, I've I, I, I got this problem here. And my hair is falling out, too. And, you know, I, I can't hear very well. I can't see very well. And, and so you keep going and going and going. And you say, man, I wish I would never have asked that first question. Why not just say, you know what? The Lord is good. You say, well, Pastor, you know, they asked. I understand that. But why not glorify the Lord? The Lord gives us strength, doesn't he? The Lord gives us strength. We can, you know, we can tell, you can tell that I can't see. When I have these things on, I can see some of you. I can see you. Folks, can I tell you something? We need to get our focus readjusted. If we're going to be in the world, hey, let's let people know that there is hope in this world. The hope is not in us. The hope is in Jesus. The hope is in in the promises of His Word. And today we can stand. We can be in the world. We can stand right and do right by His power, by His strength. We must not leave the Lord out of the picture of our life. He must be the center of our life. To set Him any other place but the center will result in us becoming like the world. We must not forget to set aside time for the Lord to speak to us every day. He wants to speak to you, folks. He wants to. We must remember that the Lord is with us as we walk through this whole world. He doesn't leave us nor forsake us. I'm glad that He's given us His promises. Hey, we can be in the world, but not of it. Let's do so by His power, by His strength. Shall we pray. Dear Father, today, We thank you for the wonderful blessings of your word. We thank you for the examples of the past of people who walked with you. Oh, they didn't have an easy life. But Lord, there's some principles and truths that we can learn, and Lord, that it will help us in our Christian walk. Lord, this world is trying to conform us, but you said we're not to be conformed by this world, but be be transformed. By the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And Lord, I pray today that we'd live a life that would shine the Lord Jesus Christ. That people would look at us and say, hey, there's a person who has something different. That they would want to know about the Savior we know. Father, I pray that our life would be pleasing to you in all things. And Lord, I don't know the burdens in the heart of the people that are here today. But you do. Father, there may be those that are like that person in the boat, just kind of coasting down and just letting things just kind of take their own course. Father, if we're just going to coast, we're going to go down the way of the world. Father, we need your spirit to do what's right and to walk with you and to walk in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation to let our light shine for you. Lord, you've given us the power. You've given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Father, today if our, if our boat is just cruising and just just coasting, Father, I pray today that you'd help us once again to yield to you and your spirit. That, Father, that you would give us a new desire and a new burden to live for you. Father, I pray for those that are living for you, and Lord, the the battle is raging, and things are going on, and they're still keeping their eyes upon you. Lord, I pray that you just bless them today. Give them new encouragement from your word. Father, for those that don't know Jesus, what I've shared today may not even make sense. But Father, I just know that there's a A God in heaven. A God who loves people. God, you want to give hope. And Father, I pray that there's one without Jesus today as their personal Savior. That they would be willing to humble themselves and to see themselves as a sinner who needs a Savior. God, I pray that their heart would be opened and, Lord, that they would put their trust and faith in Him alone and accept what He did on the cross, that He was buried and rose again, and that they're willing to trust in Him and call upon Him to be their Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you are today, In your relationship with God, you may just talk about a spirit being up there someplace. I'm t- here today to tell you that there's a personal An intimate God who loves you. You're the Creator who created you, who desires to have a relationship with you today. And the only way of having a relationship with Him is through His Son, Jesus Christ, who died in your place for your sins. And today, if you will accept what he says about you, you're a sinner, you need a savior. And accept Jesus, his sinless Lamb of God, as a sacrifice for your sins. And ask him to be your Savior today. He will save you. Right now where you're seated, you can say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe Jesus died for me. I want him to come into my heart and save me right now. Take away my sins. Make me your son, your daughter. Lord, I want to turn from my sin and turn to live for him. In Jesus' name. If every head bowed and every eye closed, you prayed and asked Jesus to be your savior right now. God says, those that come to him, he will in no wise cast out. It's a great, wonderful day for you. If you prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior, would you do me a favor? Just slip your hand up for just a moment. Say, "I, I asked Jesus to be my Savior today. Is there anyone like that? Perhaps you did ask Jesus to be your Savior, whether it be here or on the internet you're hearing this message today, let me encourage you to share that wonderful news with someone else. Get into a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church so that you can grow as a Christian. Dear Father, I pray today that you would work in our hearts. Lord, thank you for being such a wonderful God. We thank you and praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Scott, come lead us in a song of invitation. And if you pray today and ask Jesus to be your Savior, I'll be right here. We've got counselors who would like.